Welcome to the Soul of Travel podcast. I'm Christine Weinbrenner Eirich, the founder of Lotus Sojourns, a book lover, yogi, mom of three girls, and your guide on this journey. We are here to discover why women who are seasoned travelers, industry professionals, and global community leaders fall in love with the people and places of this planet. Join me to explore how travel has inspired our guests to change the world. We seek to understand the driving force, unending curiosity, and wanderlust that can best be described as the soul of travel. Soul of Travel podcast is a proud member of the Journey Woman family, where we work to create powerful forums for women to share their wisdom and inspire meaningful change in travel. In each soulful conversation, you'll hear compelling travel stories alongside tales of what it takes to bring our creative vision to life as we're living life with purpose, chasing dreams, and building businesses to make the world a better place. But the real treasure here is the story of the journey. As we reflect on who we were, who we are, and who we're becoming, we are travelers, thought leaders, and heart-centered change makers. And this is the soul of travel. Sherry Ott is a pioneer in the world of new media, writing about her travel lifestyle and around-the-world adventures on Ottsworld.com since 2006. In her 11 years of living nomadically, she circled the globe multiple times visiting all seven continents, providing continuous blog coverage. She primarily writes about outdoor adventure travel for women with the goal of inspiring and teaching women how to get outdoors and travel. She is an avid hiker, completing many through hikes and pilgrimages around the world. She is also currently biking from capital to capital in the United States, finishing a project her father started by foot in 1984. Named as an influencer to follow in OprahMag.com, she continues to seek out epic adventures to intriguing places, inspiring people to overcome their fears and reap the benefits of travel. In our conversation, Sherry and I discuss the ways she's found herself constantly thinking and living outside the box, and how that has led her on some magical journeys, offering her an opportunity to connect more deeply, overcome her fear of driving in a foreign country in the most unexpected way, and to following in her father's footsteps after realizing they were more alike than she'd ever realized growing up. And speaking of following in her father's footsteps, she talks about her latest travels, which have her biking from capital to capital across the U.S., learning about our history and connecting with rural communities here in a way she hadn't thought of in her 11 years as a nomad before it was even something we talked about. So many common connections have tried to get Sherry and I to connect over the years, and I'm so glad we finally did. Join me now for my soulful conversation with Sherry Ott.
Welcome to Soul of Travel podcast. Today, I'm really excited to be joined by Sherry Ott, who is an adventure travel writer who has really embraced the nomadic lifestyle and is currently setting out to bike ride from capital to capital in the U.S. Uh, I cannot wait to share more about your story and all about uh, your journey in this industry. So welcome to the podcast, Sherry. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited about this. Me too. It's been a long time coming for us to meet. We've had so many people that keep pointing us uh, in the same direction. And we were just talking before we hopped on this call. Even just recently, I was even meeting more people who said the two of you need to talk. And I finally was able to say, we are, I'm interviewing her on the podcast next week. So I'm glad that moment has come. Um, Sherry, I'd love to turn it over to you to take a moment to introduce yourself to my listeners and tell us a little bit about who you are in the space of travel. Sure. Um, Gosh, where to start? So uh, my name is Sherry Ott. I started a travel blog called ottsworld.com. I started that back in 2006. So uh, I've been doing this for a very long time and seen so many changes. However, Prior to that, I was in corporate America for 14 years uh, working in IT, and I basically needed a a break from that. Back when I was 36 years old, I um, took off on what I called a career break with the idea to like hit all these bucket list ideas and places that I've always wanted to travel for a year and then kind of figure out life and what I wanted to do next and come back. But I never came back. So... (laughs) Um, So that's kind of where the nomadicism comes in, too. Um, I left in 2006, but uh, I traveled around the world for like a year and a half. I went back to New York City, sold all my stuff, and then went back out on the road. And I was nomadic for 11 years, long, long time back then. We didn't, I was just thinking about this, like digital nomad wasn't even in our vocabulary. And now that's like something. It's so crazy to me, like how the world has changed even. but during that whole time, I was blogging and the what I would call the world of new media at that time was just starting to open up. And I was in the right, pl- right place at the right time. And I think probably having a business and corporate background probably helped in that sense, too. Um, but I was on the cutting edge of that travel blogging and and so on. I joined social media really early because I had time and I was curious. Um, And so that's how I kind of built up my business. In there, I also started some other travel businesses uh, around career break travel and so on. Um, But I basically got into this industry like that. And as you know, through the probably 2010s, 2011s, 2012s, uh, businesses started to kind of all of a sudden take new media much more seriously. And uh, they started spending budget money on it and so on and so forth. So it made it a viable career. And now little kids can actually say like, I want to be a blogger, which is weird to me. But but, so that basically took me all over the world for 11 years. Um, I have been very fortunate. And uh, probably in 2017, I decided to get a home again. And I settled back here in Denver, always um, still writing and blogging, doing social media. At that time, I also decided after years of hearing people say, oh, my God, I want to travel with you. 
I decided to start to do some of my own tours um, that were really a, a testament to how I liked to travel, um, which is really to, you know, find unique places, get off the beaten path, stay places longer, et cetera. Uh, so I started designing some of these trips and working with small local companies in the regions that I loved. And um, I started doing Ots World tours. And I do about four or so a year, three or four a year. They're always kind of adventure focused and to different places, I would say. Um, and yeah, I'm trying to think what else now. That's, I mean, that's where I'm at right now. I also, because I've been in this industry so long and been so many places, I've started to work on some like travel design um, for people who want to go to places that I'm well-versed in. Um, so that is where my travel career went. Yeah, I, <laughs> I never could have imagined. Yeah, seeing that evolution. <laughs> and even as I was researching kind of your background and the timing of things, it was, I was thinking the same thoughts of, you know, that you were a digital nomad embracing that lifestyle before it was something that we knew we would or could embrace, yeah. you know, it just was, you were traveling and living abroad, you know, for long periods of time, but it, there wasn't this same acceptance, I guess, of that lifestyle. No. Whereas now that mm -hmm. it's something that people really strive for, you were yeah. really kind of going against the norm by by doing that. And then also, as you were talking about, you know, getting onto social media, blogging, travel writing, you know, that was really when blogging was still just barely emerging and surfacing. So I love that yeah. you, like you said, I, it was kind of the right place, right time, but also you took advantage of the things that you noticed were surfacing and mm -hmm. turned those into opportunities for yourself. Yeah, I was really, I was so driven by how can I stay on the road? How can I stay traveling? Because I don't want to go back to what I was doing. I knew that. Um, and that drive, I think, just kind of made me dig in and do whatever I had to do um, to get the blog off the ground, et cetera. So, and it was a really fun, fun time. Like the beginning of blogging, of travel blogging and and like seeing that whole world kind of develop, there was a few key people, you know, there was a few of us and, um, you know, under really a hundred people, I would say that we were all kind of starting around this at the same time. And it was really fun. It is, I feel honored to be able to be a part of something like the beginning of something. Mm -hmm. um, it's very different now. And I still, I feel old because I'm like, I look back on those days and I'm like, oh, the good old days. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was really going to be my next question or you're following my stream of consciousness, I think is <laughs> like how different it looks today. And when I go to events for travel content creators, well, one, there are events for travel content creators <laughs> You're right. Um, and there are hundreds of people there and they are all trying to figure out how to get into the space and now becoming a travel blogger doesn't look anything like where you started and people no. are starting with, you know, growing their email marketing lists, drip campaigns and lead magnets and like yeah. all of these things. It's very structured. And not only that, you're not competing with 10 to a hundred travel writers. You are competing with Everyone. thousands and thousands yeah. of content creators and and because of what social media looks like these days, 
anybody can can surface as a content creator and a travel writer. Yep. And so setting yourself apart from all of those people is a huge thing. Um, when yeah. you speak with people who are starting out in this industry, what do you tell them is a, is a strategy for really creating your own niche or refining your voice or standing out from that crowd? You know, I, I always think I always, my best piece of advice always to people, whether this is a traveler who's trying to figure out where to go and what to do, a travel blogger who's trying to figure out, you know, what is my business going to be? My piece of advice, it's very core to who I am is find out where everyone is going and turn around and go the other way. Like you, you have to set yourself apart. Like you said, you have to be unique. And that might mean a smaller group of followers or whatever you want to call it. Like, but at least you are doing something different than everyone else. And you've got a chance um, because there's just too many players now. The other thing is, and you've really alluded to all this, is the people who are starting now are starting with the idea that they are going to build a travel blogging business or a content creator business. They start with it from the business in mind, hence the emails, et cetera. The people who I started with, we didn't start with that in mind. I had a blog because I wanted my family and friends to know where I was and I didn't want to take my journal. So this was my way I could electronic journal. Um, there was never a plan to have it as a business. And because of that, I would say that's probably hurt. It was great in the beginning. It's probably hurt me now a little bit um, because I still, you know, it was just passion that drove me and I still want it to be that way. I'm still kind of stuck in that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and somehow I guess I, you know, I have made it work. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a hard thing to start into, but you're right. Anyone can, it's hard to be successful is what mm -hmm. I would say. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. And I, I think the other thing is because the metrics of success are, you know, likes, follows, impressions, wow. and all these things that I don't even fully understand. If I'm honest, I, I know I've seen the lingo. And so that's about, you know, getting these masses of followers. But then like you're saying, if you are trying to be someone who I think is valued by a small set of people, the place where you can create the most impact is actually not by having the most likes and followers mm -hmm. and the large community. You need to have a very aligned community so that you can mm -hmm. speak right to your audience. And then when you're looking at it from a business perspective and you're pitching yourself to brands, it, it looks one way if you can say, oh yeah, I have, you know, 10,000 likes on every post versus if you have a thousand on every post, but mm -hmm. you are speaking very clearly to that audience. And I come yes. through this with the podcast all the time is I'm speaking to a very, very specific audience and they understand what I'm saying. And, you know, when you look at it from a, a marketing standpoint, like if I'm sharing a product, I'm sharing it in a way I know resonates exactly with who I'm speaking to. And I don't have to filter yep. out all these other peripheral people who I've just gathered for the sake of numbers like I am very clear on who I'm speaking to. So you end up in this kind of very, I think, difficult space in this yeah. industry. <laughs> You're right. It's, it's hard. It's hard to be different. It's hard to go your own way. It's, 
yeah, it's very, very challenging. And, and so much of my career has been because I was one of the first people that was kind of into this whole world has been educating destinations, businesses, travel companies, PR companies on what really value I bring Mm -hmm. and what I can do with them kind of thing. So it's, it's not just running a business. It's a lot of persuading. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, you know, but because of that too, I'm happy to say that like, I was the first, you know, to do a lot of things. I was like, I'm always still seems like today, this happens a lot. Like I'll work with a destination or a company and they'll always be like, oh, you're the first blogger we've ever worked with. Or you're the first, you know, like whatever. Like we've never had anyone take over and do our stories before. You're the first one. Like that has been my career. Like the first of all of that stuff. And that that's exciting to me. It makes it hard because it's mm-hmm. hard to be the first sometimes because you're educating so much. But um but it's also really special and it, it, you know, ticks that box for me to be unique and and new. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, I think this will be a common thread in our conversation, as you said, <laughs> kind of, you know, being outside of the box or going the opposite way yeah. of the crowd. But I'm wondering if we look back at your early travel experiences, you know, even before you decided to leave corporate and travel, did you always know that you were interested in travel at from a young age the outdoors were you always kind of thinking outside of the box or is this something that evolved in your journey um yes and no so I didn't really do a lot of travel like I didn't have I shouldn't say that my parents and I I lived grew up in the midwest and we would do a lot of car trips and my parents really liked the outdoors I did not like the outdoors they would drag me camping and I hated bugs and I was scared of everything. And I was a big scaredy cat as a kid. Um, so I did not like that too much. I much rather would have went shopping at the mall. Um, and yet at the same time, so I didn't really have a lot of experience in travel. Um, and here's a fun fact. I didn't have my passport until I was 30 years old. So I've accomplished a lot since then. Uh, however, when you say like, did you always like kind of to go outside of the box? I think, yes, I knew when I was a kid that I liked to be outside of the box a bit. Um, my best way that I can describe that, I guess, that I look back on is, uh, when it was time, you know, graduated high school and we were picking our colleges or whatever, like all of my friends, I grew up in Peoria, Illinois, all of my friends were going to like university of Illinois, Chicago, like, And that would have been the easy thing to do. But I knew that for some unknown reason, I wanted to be different. I didn't want to go where everyone else was going. So I went to University of Nebraska, like, (laughs) you know, uh, and didn't know people there, you know, just went. And so I knew that I've always had a desire to not follow everyone, I guess. Um, And then through my 20s and 30s that just continued to manifest in bigger and bigger ways until kind of that ultimate point where I'm like I'm quitting my great corporate job in New York City and I'm gonna go an adventure and do something different that you know no one else that I know of has done now Mm -hmm. people have done it all over but I didn't I didn't have that influence in my life I guess at that point I didn't really know much about travel 
Yeah. Um, as you were telling that, you reminded me of this moment traveling with my girls and we were in a t-shirt shop where we were in Greece and you could make any kind of shirt you wanted. And, you know, they had a lot of things that were tourist focused and they had this one shirt that said it had like a, a checker, like, or a tic-tac-toe board. And it said like, think outside the box. And it had the tic-tac-toe board. And then like the circle was outside of the box. <laughs> and my middle child was like, that's the shirt I want. And I was like, of all of these things, you don't want one that says anything about Santorini or, you know, Greek something, something. And she's like, no, I want that shirt. That is and so then funny. She also got to design it and, and her design choices in and of themselves were, uh, were out it. And she's like, don't you get it, mom? Don't you get how you have to be outside of the box? Like she just had this epiphany, I think about, about who she is and who she wants to be. So yeah, um, I, oh, I love super. seeing that, that, spirit energy I guess of that um and who knows where it'll take her as she right. gets older I mean yeah <laughs> <laughs> I think she definitely will blaze her own trails as well um well I know as you evolved and become a traveler which I I love hearing that you didn't have your passport until you were 30 because I, I think a lot of people might think that means they're just not meant to travel um and this is another theme for you I think is is really sh- saying that you can tackle new challenges you can reinvent yourself over and over again at any age and stage so we're going to talk more yeah. about that um but as you started to fall in love with travel you also like you said fell in love with the places people weren't going and also the ways of travel people weren't really focusing on such as long distance travel slow travel um really traveling in unexpected ways. And I know you've done some long distance hiking. You've yeah. driven from London to Mongolia. Um, <laughs> you, I would love to hear from you what, what did start to draw you to these types of experiences and how mm-hmm. has spending time moving slowly through places changed how you see the world and how you want to tell stories about the world? Mm. Oh my God, there's a lot there. Um, yeah. Okay, hopefully I can remember it all. If not, make sure you bring up that second I part will. again. <laughs> um, so yeah, once I kind of ticked off, I did that year, that first year, what I called a career break. And I hit a lot of the main, you know, things to see, the main bucket list things, I would say. But even pretty quickly into that trip, I realized that I started learning things about myself of what I liked in travel. And I really loved traveling in developing countries. I loved traveling to places that were cultures that were very different than what I grew up in because I was super fascinated with that type of stuff. So, you know, that drove me to places like Southeast. I spent a lot of time in Southeast Asia, India, Morocco at that time, et cetera. Um, then as I started to have like blogging as a true career, I think the first thing I realized is that if I write the same thing as everyone else, you know, like, what's the point? So, and I found that if I did different things and wrote about different things that I actually, from that like blogging standpoint, had more people interested in it because there were fewer, you know, you do a Google search. This is before I ever even understood SEO or anything because <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that has been a learning process too. Um I realized that doing writing about different adventures was good for my blog because more people would find it. 
Um, and then that kind of led me to, I always really liked big journeys, big projects. I love the idea of going from A to B, like in a long, arduous journey. Um, I have this fascination with like explorers and, ex you know, Lewis and Clark, whatever, like, but that idea of exploring something, seeing something for the first time and really like working to get there. Um, and that was just like really deep inside of me. So one of the first I started hearing about, because I didn't know anything about it, like the Camino de Santiago, a long distance walk for 500 miles across Spain. Um, once I heard about it, I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. Maybe I could do that. And the beauty of being nomadic is I could spend time like that in those places. So it took me five weeks, I think, um, of walking across Spain. And I'll get back to that because that has a big uh, kind of aha moment in why I ended up doing my recent project. But even then, I realized that it was a, such a good time to like, when you walk through a country, it's so slow and you learn so much. And it just, it seeps into you um, at that pace. And it was, the idea of walking was like, it, it just made, all I had to do every day was eat, sleep, and walk. And that's it. And it cleared my mind. It was a really great, great experience. Um, I remember one of the things that came out of it for me was at that point too, I was kind of struggling with, do I keep on doing this blogging? How do I make this more into a business that can support me, et cetera? And so I had a month to sit, to walk and think about it. And I remember coming out of that as one of the big things that I learned was this idea of make your own way. And I decided at that point that I could go like all the other bloggers had gone and do the very traditional things. And I just decided, no, I'm going to make my own way. And so when I finished that, I really kind of refocused how I was doing the blog a little bit. Um, after that, I ended up uh, doing another big journey, as you mentioned, something called the Mongol Rally. It's actually a charity event, but it's a it's a crazy charity event. I, I learned about it because I read about someone who had done it. And when I read it, I thought, no way. No, this is impossible. Who could do this? This is crazy. It's impossible. Because at that point, I had been to Mongolia once before. And Mongolia to me was the most fascinating country because it was one of those that was very, very different than our culture. And this was back in 2008. So it was even more undeveloped. It's certainly gotten much more developed now. They didn't even have roads. And I was so fascinated with how these drivers could navigate in the middle of nowhere without roads like it just I didn't even understand it so I was always kind of fascinated with that so when I saw that there was this charity event that you could drive from London Mongolia or from London to Mongolia to Ulaanbaatar Mongolia in kind of like a race um for charity I was very intrigued because that meant that you would have to drive across Mongolia and I thought I can't imagine anything more challenging than driving across Mongolia on my own um, so that's kind of how the whole idea started. The other thing is up until that point, I had been really nervous to drive in foreign countries because it's very intimidating, mm -hmm. right? Um, even though I guess I did live in Vietnam and I had a motorbike, but I was very intimidated to drive in other countries. And I thought, 
wow, if I drive from London to Mongolia, that will most definitely get me over that fear. Like, so that's another reason why I did it. Like I wanted to face that fear. I also, as crazy as it sounded, because this wasn't a supported trip. Like you didn't have people with you, like an organization that was with you the whole way. Basically the organization threw a beginning party and an ending party. And then whatever happened in the middle was you had to figure it out. No one was going to come rescue you. But by that time I had been on the road for like five years and I believed in the power of travel. And I believed in the goodness of people because that's one of the things I think that travel teaches you. And I was willing to go out on this crazy adventure because I knew that if, if I needed help, I could find it. I mean, I didn't speak any of these languages. It, I did, you know, there were so many new things and scary things, but I was just going to put it out there to the travel gods and go, you're going to take care of me. And they did. <laughs> I actually, it was uh, 9,000 miles. We drove through 13 countries. The other piece had to be in a totally inappropriate car. So it had to be in a tiny little car. So we had this little Nissan Almira and I went with three other people. Like we were a team and we made it. We were, you know, at that point, about 50% of the teams that started actually made it to the end because of car trouble or whatever. And um, wow, did I learn a lot? Like it, it was, it was incredible. And then we raised money for the charity and, and then we actually, if the car made it to Mongolia, this was, it's changed a little bit now how they do it. But at that time, if it made it to Mongolia in one piece, the car would stay in Mongolia and you donated it there. Mm -hmm. I still often wonder, like, I wonder if our little Nissan is still running in Mongolia. It probably is. <laughs> wow. What an incredible experience. And I, I think um, some of the things you mentioned, you know, prior to that, but also about that journey is the working to get there and what that means when you arrive wherever, you know, that end point is like, I feel the same way that travel, when you just arrive somewhere, like without any struggle, I guess, or any mm -hmm. challenge or any effort, it's as if the travel can't give you the gifts that it would like to give you. <laughs> That's a great way to put it. Yeah. And it's so true. So imagining that journey, you know, not only is it difficult, but it's like continued challenge after challenge, mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure just like you said, the very first thing was learning how to drive in a, a foreign country, which yeah. I'm sure there's many easier ways you could have overcome that fear, but I love that you <laughs> right. had long into you're like, I know how I'll beat this. I will drive halfway around the world. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> um, but that, that idea of then, you know, when you reach that end point, what you have accomplished wow. truly changes you and, and you kind of have allowed this great gift to be bestowed upon you by the experience. And um, I think, that, again, I think this will come up as we're speaking about your next project, but I think that's a really important thing because travel has become very easy. And I think much like you, I was always drawn to like that discovery process of travel or that hard earned victory or the, yeah. the, the romance of like 
early discoverers and archaeologists. And I think part of it was that like spirit of discovery and that yep. journey. And when you just can all of a sudden go on a plane and hop on a train and arrive at this magical destination, something has been lost yeah. in, in the journey. So I, I would agree. love to hear from you, like what that brings up for you. Oh, wow. I mean, it's funny because in just both of those uh, projects, the Camino de Santiago, the Mongol rally, I so distinctly remember the last days of them, the last day, the day I saw Santiago for the first time in my, you know, in the, in the distance and the day when we got to the outskirts of Ulaanbaatar. And I still remember that feeling that I had inside. One, it was like, oh my God, I made it. But you're right. It was hard earned. It, it changed me. You know, we talk about transformational travel. I know you talk about transformational travel all the time. And, and that's really the truth. It does transform you. I think not only, and the other big thing for me, which I think is huge, is it builds confidence. Like, I think as we get older, we lose a lot of that sometimes. Um, and we think, oh, I could never do that or whatever. And once you actually get to the other side of it and you've worked hard to get there, it's amazing. Like the confidence just grows. Um, that feeling is, it's an adrenaline like you'll, you've never had before kind of thing. Um, yeah. And I think, and hopefully for me, I'm also inspiring people along the way to do something similar, to challenge themselves. Um, but yeah, I think in, when you challenge yourself is really when you grow. And that's how I've always kind of looked at travel is, you know, how can I challenge myself to be different? How can I challenge myself to try this new thing that intimidates me? Um, sometimes it's easier for me to wrap it up in travel because I love travel so much <laughs> that it makes me more apt to do it. Kind of like the, the driving, I suppose. Um, it makes me less scared. Uh, and I think for me, and I've always said this, like I am not a, what do I want to say? A brave person necessarily. Everyone always is like, oh, I can't believe you did that. But for me, that, that when you put yourself on that point of that kind of precipice of fear, like, oh, this is scary because I don't know what's going to happen. It's new to me. It's, I don't know if I'm going to make it, whatever. And excitement, the travel aspect, really, um, that's like the perfect place for me to learn and grow. And, you know, along the way, you get all the culture that you're surrounded by, too, that you get to take in. And you rely on people. Like, it's, I think that's one of the hard, I, I'm solo, so, like, I'm not married. I don't have kids. I do everything on my own. And one of the hardest things for me to do is to rely on people because I'm so used to being on my own and like the Mongol rally, like I absolutely, I knew that I was going to rely on people, whether it be my teammates, random strangers at gas stations, which happened multiple, multiple times. Um, yeah, I think it's great. You put, you're vulnerable. And like I said, when you wrap it up in the travel sphere, I think it makes it more easy to handle and do. I love that. And I, 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 um, I always try to share that with my kids, the idea of when something's scary and 
overwhelming or, or, or frustrating. They're afraid. Or I sometimes say like scare sighted is the sweet spot. Like when you're scared and excited. Yeah, that's um, perfect. It's like hangry, mm-hmm. but I love that scare sighted. I've got to yeah. totally remember that. Um, <laughs> it's that true. I was like, what's happening is you're just growing and it's going to hurt. Oh, and I great. like also, you know, like when they have growing pains, which they do often as children, right? Like, yep it is painful sometimes and it's okay because it, it, it's not forever, but it's really important. And so just to be like, it's okay to feel all these feelings and then just know that this is growth that's happening. And it, it, it often is tangled up in all of those other emotions. Hey, it's Christine. Can you believe we are about to move into a new year? One of the things I am most excited about is my women's book club. I launched my virtual book club in 2021, and it was such a powerful and valuable experience that I've kept it going. I love the relationships I've cultivated with women who have returned each year. This is a journey meant to inspire travel, create cultural awareness, and offer personal growth experiences, all from the comfort of your home or wherever you may be lucky enough to be in 2023. Each moment we spend reading is a moment that endures in our bones. Reading wakes us up. Reading transports us to another world, another experience, or another perspective. Reading leaves us changed forever. Imagine who you'll be at the end of this book sojourn. Past participants have said that they enjoy diving deep into a book and hearing other stories and perspectives. Last year, women said it was one of the most powerful experiences they had. You can join us beginning in January. Soul of Travel listeners will get a bonus call with me to welcome you to this experience and set our intentions and begin building our new community. Visit lotussojourns.com slash women's-book-club to join this unique travel experience today. Now let's hop back over to our soulful conversation. I know for you, you're kind of in another period of, of growth and learning and uh, tackling the unknown um, with your current project, which was birthed during yeah. the pandemic uh, to bike to every capital in the U.S., um, picking up on something that your father started, but hadn't completed. I would love for you to share more about that project. Um, And then after you share a bit about it, I want to talk about some of the unexpected benefits that, you know, we chatted about before out of this journey. Yeah. um, I'm excited to talk about this. So I'm someone that always kind of needs a big quest or journey in the, in the future or something to work on kind of thing. And for a long time, I didn't have one. And then the pandemic came and that just, you know, threw everything to a halt. In some ways, it was really great. Well, in many ways, it was great for me because it slowed me down. I needed a break from traveling. I needed to get to know my home city now and so on. And so one of the things that I did because I couldn't travel like I normally did was I started getting on a bike. I had a crappy little cheap bike that I bought off of the marketplace and started riding around on these trails that were right outside my door. And I didn't know where they went or how they connected or anything about it. And I would, I would ride. And at that time, I also didn't have a car. I hadn't had a car for like 18 years. So for me getting out on the bike, it was also my way to start to kind of piece together the puzzle of Denver for me a little bit. 
Um, so that was exciting because I was learning. I'm like, oh, this road connects to this road. And, you know, like, oh, this is interesting. So I started biking more and more and more. The second year of the pandemic, I decided to get rid of my crappy little bike because I was going like 40 miles on this just commuter bike. Um, and so I went to the bike store and said, you know, this is what I think I want. And then, of course, it was 2021. And they're like, we don't have any inventory. So I said, okay, fine. What could I leave with today? What do you have that I can leave with today? So I ended up spending way more money than I wanted to, but I did leave on a bike <laughs> and I still have that one today. So once I kind of upgraded bikes, that started a whole new world of like, oh, hey, this is even better. Um, so I became quite interested in biking and I never thought I would be, but it was it was my pastime in the pandemic. At that time, I was talking to a friend and we were talking about journeys and so on. And um, I had told her, well, I had been thinking, this has always been in the back of my head. I'm going to take you back now to my childhood. When I was 14 years old, my father decided that he was going to walk from capital to capital in the United States. And now this was 1984 before Forrest Gump, before <laughs> cell phones, before we did have a computer, we had a Commodore 64, but you know, nothing like what today looks like. So he just decided this and it wasn't like he was a walker or like, it, it was just out of the blue. And for me being 14 years old and an angsty teenager, I just thought this is another one of his dumb ideas. Like, what is he doing? And why does he always have to be different? Why can't he just be a normal dad <laughs> and be like all my friends' dads. Like that's all I wanted because as a teenager, that is what you want, right? And you you can't appreciate the uniqueness of your parents, especially at that point. So my whole teenage years, my dad was busy on this quest trying to walk from capital to capital. Now he worked full-time. So he did this on weekends. He did it during vacations. My mother would be his logistics person and would drive him everywhere and pick him up and do all the communication and secure the hotels in the small towns. And she was a saint as she always has been to him. Um, and I would get drug along lots of times because I was 14, 15, 16. And I hated it because I didn't want anything to do with it at all. And then I finally went to college and he was still doing it. And I still, it was just kind of like, eh, I don't care that much about this. It's weird, whatever. My dad is weird. Um, in my, probably my late twenties and thirties, I started to kind of really respect the idea more, I think, as I got older. Um, and then by the time he, he basically walked to 23 capitals, about 4,000 miles over the course of a number of years. He was 47 when he started. I think his last one, he was like 74 or so that he did. Um, and then he just stopped. You know, he got older. I think my mom was really tired of driving him around and doing all this all the time. Um, he kept meticulous notes about the whole thing. Uh, I don't know what he was ever going to do with it, but he typed it into our Commodore 64 and future computers. and um, And it was just kind of for him. So he never finished it. And that always stuck with me as 
being a little bit disappointing because he raised us as we have to finish everything we start. And that always kind of surprised me that he didn't finish it once he retired. Um, then as I started traveling, I would say, and became kind of a citizen of the world, I realized in my quest to always find new things and unique things, I realized that it was really unusual that in all these years, no one that I knew of, and I had researched it, had attempted what my dad did or what my dad was doing on his project, on his capital project. And I thought, wow, that's really amazing that he could come up with such a project that could stand the test of time that no one has done it yet. Like, yeah, people bike across the country and all that stuff or walk across the country, but no one had done it that way. And so I started to really admire it, the thing that I hated. So anyway, fast forward pandemic, I start biking. I had thought in the past about like, you know, someone should really finish this project. Like it's a shame that it wasn't finished. But when I looked into walking it, finishing it the way my dad did it, it was a long way. It's like 9,000 miles left because of the distances between some of the capitals that he has left. Um, and once I started biking, it just kind of hit me one day that I'm like, but I could bike it. I could do it my way. I could make it my own. And I talked to some friends about it and they were kind of excited. And I'm like, I'm going to do this. And, and that's how it started, really. And I went up to talk to my dad. They live in South Dakota. My parents are still alive. They're 87. Um, and I asked him if it was okay, if I could take it over and do it my way, basically. And he was more than happy to be like, yes, of course. Um, and then that's when I kind of started digging through all of his old notes that were up in the attic, just kind of wasting away found his old map that we used to have in our house when I was a kid. It was like a paper map with, you know, push pins and, and yarn of like what he had left and what he had done and so on and so forth. And, you know, I took all of that and started making it my own. And I, I honestly had no idea how I was going to do this. I, I just started biking and I hadn't really done road biking. I, you know, here in Denver, you can get around on trails everywhere. So I had a lot of fear when you talk about, you know, being on that fear and excitement. Um, I had a lot of fear, but I was excited to try to try to take this on. At the same time, I think I also probably thought this is a way that I can honor my parents, that I can honor the fact that I've grown up enough now to know that how important they are and how important it was that they instilled in me this desire to to be different and try new things and go out and explore and all of that. So it was my way that I could connect with them in a way too um, and try to live out this whole idea that he had started. So um, yeah, so I started my first, so basically what I did, I'm doing a whole YouTube series about it. Uh, so each capital, I have 26 to do. And like I said, about 9,000, 8,000 miles, 9,000 miles. Um, and so I went to South Dakota. We recorded everything. Like I interviewed my parents for the first time on like what this was all about because I didn't know. I didn't know as a kid. Um, so I, it was really fun digging into all that and interviewing them separately and together and just kind of trying to learn more about it because it, that piece really wasn't documented. So I did that. And then one of the capitals that he hadn't finished yet was Pierre, South Dakota. So he was walking from 
St. Paul, Minnesota to Pierre, South Dakota. And he had been, he was more than halfway probably when he stopped. And that was one of the last ones he did. And he just had never finished it. So I took my bike up there and I started where he stopped and I biked into Pierre. And then um, I stopped about a mile outside of the Capitol and my parents came and the three of us walked in together so that I could kind of have a a handoff of this big, beautiful project that my dad left me. Um, and my dad could finish that. That one off was the idea. So that's kind of how it all started. And, and that was in 2022. That was last year. I did my first one of July. Um, and now I've done five. So that's kind of the big plan, the big project. Yeah. How amazing. And to think to like, again, you were like, I might try biking. And now you're biking all over the world or all over the country. And especially, you know, looking at, as you mentioned, you know, he was kind of more on the East coast capitals were closer together. It was more manageable walking. And now you're looking at covering some great distances, especially out West and also some great elevations and yeah. environmental change, you know, changes in climate oh as you're traveling. And yeah, um, so I can imagine the logistics become overwhelming and it intimidating. <laughs> once I start digging into each route, like once I decide which routes I'm doing for the year, it, it is, it's, I go through this process and I think, God, I hope this gets easier, but I don't know. I don't know if it will, where I'm I'm terrified. Like I start to look at all the details and the Google maps and the the street views and trying to figure out, you know, how am I going to figure all this out? And it does become really overwhelming. But once you just get on the bike and start pedaling, it's just, it all just kind of melts away. And now you have time to sit and think. It, it, it reminds me so much of the Camino de Santiago um, where you just have to, you know, eat, sleep, walk uh and I said before when we talked about the Camino I think that was I was actually hiking the Camino that was one of my big aha moments I was hiking the Camino and in the middle of in the Meseta which is kind of like the midwest of the Camino it's the middle very farmy um big distances between villages so lots of people skip it but I'm like I'm not skipping it I'm doing it this is like my midwest so I was walking it and at one point it was in the spring when I did it there was a farmer out tilling his field and that smell of freshly tilled dirt hit me and I just had this moment that took me back to my childhood and I realized I'm like, oh my God, I am walking across Spain. When did I become my father? Like, what the hell am I doing? (laughs) And it was that moment where you realize, wow, that had more of an impact on me than I ever thought. And, And we end up being like our parents in many ways. And it just hit me like that. Like, I never put that together. I always thought I was like my mom. And I think that was the moment where I realized my dad with all these crazy adventures and things that he wanted to do and desire to be different. Like I was my dad. And it was just this humbling moment, I guess, (laughs) of aging. (laughs) But yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that, um, that awareness with us. 
um, I know some of the other unexpected benefits that you realized that you were kind of also pulling through these threads of your identity as a traveler and as a blogger mm -hmm. was bringing visibility to lesser visited cities in yeah. our own country as you kind of search the map and, and look how you were going to navigate. Um, as I mentioned, kind of the ex experiencing that we can start something new at any time. Yeah. Um, and another thing that you'd mentioned too is being an inspiration for women to learn and be more adventurous and push ourselves. So um, yeah, what, yeah. what, what has that revealed to you as you start to witness some of these benefits? I think, you know, I spent so much time traveling internationally that going to, from capital to capital on a bike in the U S was my way to really explore the U S and get back in touch with my own culture. Um, most of the time in this whole big route, you are spending time in rural America. I mean, the, the city portions are very small, honestly. And I love rural America where I grew up. Uh, yet, you know, I think at this time where we have such a divided country in so many ways, like it's really interesting for me and informative for me to be able to travel through some of these areas small towns. I have a love of them. Um, and, and to me, it's, it takes that everything that I've been doing with travel, which is go places where people don't go and puts it on my domestic kind of plan of doing that. And so these tiny little towns and meeting locals and, um, seeing the countryside and understanding the farming, like I did Montana this last summer and, I learned so much about cows just on the bike. I can't even tell you. <laughs> I had to ride through a cattle drive at one point. It was nuts. Um, but just like stuff like that. And and to really be able to look at our own culture and appreciate it in that way that I can appreciate Vietnam or something like that. So I wasn't planning on that being interesting to me, but it was. The other thing is when you talk about the lesser traveled areas. Um, the thing about the capitals is historically they are in cities that are not the cities you think of when you think of the states. So like there's a, there's a few like Denver, Colorado is the capital. Boston is the capital. Phoenix is the capital. So those are like what you would kind of think of. But most of the time it's they chose the capital historically based on it has to be in the middle of the state so that all the farmers and everyone could get there to pay their taxes in the shortest amount of time kind of thing. So that leaves you with towns like Pierre, South Dakota, or um, Helena, Montana. These are not the most popular towns. Uh, what is it, Olympia, Washington. You know, it's not Seattle. So I love the fact, because I love the underdogs. I love bringing visibility to the underdogs. So I love the fact that I can now go into these towns and explore them the way that I would explore Paris or something like that and write about them and show them to people. And they're the lesser known towns. They're the underdogs. And so that's been really fun, along with getting to know and understand our Capitol buildings, which is fascinating. <laughs> yeah. um, so there's a lot of great travel elements to this. Not only is it a journey that scares me. Um, but yeah, it's it's great travel as far as the type of travel that I like to do. Um, 
I'm trying to think of your other questions no, now. It's okay. Sorry, no, I got I help that. on those. <laughs> I think it's okay. I just wanted to kind of bring the them into the conversation for our listeners to think about too, which was about starting um, adventures at any time and and really inspiring yeah. oh. women. But um, I wanted to kind of go back to the point that you just mentioned of extending the same like curiosity and appreciation for cultural differences in our own country own country because I think Mm -hmm. when we travel we really expect that we need to do that when we travel internationally we expect that we need to do that and we're so quick to be more compartmentalized or Mm -hmm. more um aligned with you know whatever it is we believe in our own country we're less flexible here Mm -hmm. and more adaptable there and I love that you talked about how this allows us to look at our country in that way, because I think it's really important. And, you know, as you were talking about biking through Montana, which happens to be where I grew up and (laughs) my, my dad went to a small town where he graduated with, I think four people in his high school. Um, And so I have actually constantly had to have that own, my own conversation with, with that and understanding the, cultural differences, political difference, value differences Mm -hmm. within my own like existence. Um, But I had never really, I guess, looked at it through this, what you said of like, this is the way we need to play that, be that same respect and curiosity forward in our, in our own country. And I think it's, I think that's a really, really valuable point. Yeah. I think, I mean, for me, I think anytime I'm on the move, I'm curious um it's just who I am and it's probably what drives me in a lot of this stuff but yeah like I've learned more about these small communities and you start to see similarities between them and things like that like you can start to piece it together just like I would like I said in another foreign country um and you you touched upon this before because also this is a way to slowly travel you know, I'm not hopping on a plane and just showing up somewhere, you know, um, I think you get a different appreciation for it too, because you're spending a lot of time in those areas. I'm only going about 50 miles a day. So, you know, and I do that, I could go further potentially, but I actually, for me, I really want this to be about travel too. And taking the time to be able to see these small towns, go to the little cafe that's known for their apple pie or whatever, like, and bring visibility to some of that stuff. Um, I've met some really interesting people, (laughs) interesting towns. Um, Lots of the towns that I end in, they don't even have hotels or there's maybe one hotel. Um, Yeah. And even like when I was biking across Montana last summer, it happened to be the time where they had the, um, Oh, what's the motorcycle rally in South Dakota? Sturgis. (laughs) Yes. So I'm biking West. They're all motorcycling East. And it was kind of fascinating because every hotel, you'd also be with all these people. So you kind of understood more about even that. It was just, it's just fascinating to see. And you don't get to see that stuff unless you get off the beaten path on small, you know, into small towns, go slow and you know, learn how to appreciate it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, this reminds me of, of two other people that have great kind of slow travel projects and like human kindness projects. 
Um, we don't really have time to get into it right now, but maybe we'll have to have a, a side conversation about that. Um, one last thing I wanted to touch on with you is, is really how we maybe bring some of this idea of slower travel into a more mainstream travel space. And then I know in addition to travel writing, you also lead some tours for Ots World readers. And we talked about before about this idea of kind of more time to do less. And when you look at yeah. it from a travel designer and a tour operator perspective, traditionally what's valued in a trip has been, you know, these ideas of eight countries in 10 days or or seeing as much as you can, doing as much as you can. Um, how do you think we start to encourage travelator, travelers and operators to embrace creating more time to do less, to really experience a place? And why do you think that's really valuable that we start to shift that narrative as, as travel providers? Well, I think it's hard. It's hard to convince people that you don't need to go to three countries when you're in Southeast Asia, just go to one and dig in. Because Americans have limited time, I get that. And they wanna be able to pack everything in. As far as how do we get people to change that, I think one of the things is they have to see it in action themselves. So that's one of the things I try to do, right, is show people that you can do this differently. Um, and there are lots of people out there that, that show that. But I think that's one thing is you have to have, in a way, role models. You have to put it out there in front of people. Um, like, I love the amazing race, but that is not how I want to travel. <laughs> at all um so people need to see a different form like I think about like Bourdain who really dug into one city and the food you know like it, maybe it's that maybe it's picking something that's really really important to you and digging in in one place a theme of sorts um instead of I'm going to go see all of Southeast Asia my theme is going to be I want to experience all the soup in Vietnam, you know, so mm -hmm. then, you know, you kind of center it around something else other than going everywhere. Um, to get travel companies to dig more into slow travel and, you know, really exploring one place, that's a hard one. I don't know that I have an answer for that. I mean, because it's hard. It's hard to do that and then try to market it to people. Um, the easy way is to just send everyone around. But I do think that the travel industry, as you well know, have made, has made such great leaps in the idea of sustainable and responsible travel. And this is one of those things that fits into that perfectly. Um, stay longer in places, et cetera. I think really like the idea of, and I've done this a lot in my travels was, you know, stay somewhere a month or whatever. But even if you just have a week to go to, I don't know, Berlin, let's say, and just stay in Berlin for that week, and not do all the other stuff. I mean, what it means is you have to dig harder sometimes on how to entertain yourself or how to dig in deeper in an area, but it will be worth it. I think um, it's a chance for you also to really get to meet the locals more. So if you're someone who likes local travel and learning from locals, that's one of the ways you're going to do it. If you're moving everywhere, 
it's just not going to happen. Um, but like, I even, I love to use the company, um, oh, what is it with locals, I think, but it's like, they have local guides. And that's one of the first things I like to do when I get to a place that I don't know is, you know, meet a local guide. And then you can ask all kinds of questions and figure out more detailed things to do in that area through them, which is a little different, yeah. but I don't know. Do you have, I'm curious what you think about, like, how do you get travel companies yeah, to I focus think, more in one area and not do as much and travel slow? Yeah, I think it's really hard. And I do think there are some great brands that are, are pushing the point and doing it. Mm -hmm. um, I think, uh, yeah, Untours is, is doing great. There's some companies that are really trying to encourage people to go someplace and be someplace. And I, I do think we feel like we're going to miss out and it, it's true. You aren't going to see everything. So in, in yeah. fact, you are missing things, but also I think the other thing you said is you have to experience it once to understand the value. This is something that's really yeah. hard to market. It's really easy to market seeing the Eiffel tower, and, you know, all the, because we understand that, but yeah. what we don't understand until we've felt it is that connection. I think that's mm -hmm. really everything. Um, one of my favorite things that my girls and I like to do when we travel somewhere is find a local coffee shop. And then you'll find us there every morning oh for God, the rest I of the week that we're there. Mm -hmm. Right. Like we, that's how we kind of connect and we start seeing the same waitress and the same person walking their dog and the same cat that wanders into the coffee shop or something like that. And they start to feel like they belong there and mm -hmm. they, they start to experience things in a different way. And that's, that's what my kids really love to embrace about travel. And so I think it's, it's those things that once you see what you're missing by moving, then you mm -hmm. can appreciate it, but there's almost I think almost no way to, like you said, really market it or to like sell travelers on it that haven't experienced it. But I also feel like it's almost our responsibility in creating the deeper connections yep. that will eventually sustain travel in the long term mm -hmm. to, to make people really try to lean into that. And I, I also know some operators have created just days in a full itinerary where they don't have anything planned. Do anything. Oh. And, and it's really hard for travelers are like, well, but can you give me some ideas of what to do then? Like I have a whole day, what could I do? And they're like, well, that's the whole point is that we don't explore. We don't yeah. want to tell you what to do. Um, and that I, I just think it is, it's a muscle we don't use. It's, it's a, it's a way of traveling. Many of us haven't experienced. And I, I just think uh, I'd be really curious to see. I, I think it's an important part of where we're heading in travel and I, I'll be looking forward to see what we create. <laughs> I do think it is a something that we'll see more of. I have a few thoughts on this yet. I always tell myself that if if there's other things I want to do, but I don't want to pack too much in, I tell myself whether it's going to be true or not, that that's okay. I'll be back again. You know, like I'll come back here and granted, if I really start to think about it, you know, maybe I won't, I don't know. But if I tell myself that I start to believe that and it takes that pressure off of, oh my God, I've got to fit in these other five cities because I'll never be back to Croatia again or whatever. Um, because I think that's just how we are programmed to think um, that it's 
hopefully that's changing. It's funny. It just reminds me of, um, I travel with my nieces. I did this thing called the niece project and I take them different places in the world and I let them choose wherever they wanted to go in the world. And I just remember one of them being like, well, this is my only shot to travel ever. Like they thought that it was their only time they were ever going to travel. And so that this decision of where to go was such a big decision. And it was funny to me because it just, I'm like, no, you're going to travel other places in the world. Like, why don't we think of that? You know, this will continue if it's something that we love, but, um, and then I had another thought. Now I can't think of it though, about just, uh, the slow travel stuff and having, I think people need to see it. Oh, I know what it was. The inevitably, because I used to work a lot with people who were taking career breaks. So long-term travel, maybe anywhere from three months to a year. Um, and inevitably, I would tell everyone, like, they'll organize their itinerary or whatever, and they will get worn out because you're going to try to do everything you can in that year. I know because I've been there. And about three months in, you're going to be like, oh my God, I can't keep up this pace. This is crazy. And you're going to slow down and you're going to stay in a city. You're going to get an Airbnb and you're going to integrate with that city. And then you're going to realize, like you just said, you have to experience it. Like, oh my God, this is a whole different way to travel. And this is what I love. And everyone who I worked with who were doing these longer term trips, they would go through that process. Everyone, it was inevitable because you just can't keep up that pace. And it's so much more rewarding to really dig in and feel like you belong somewhere after a little while. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for, for ending on that note. I think that's such a, a, a wise sentiment for people to really bring into their own experiences. Um, before we end our call, Sherry, I want to um, just go to the rapid fire questions, oh which I, I know you're okay. also familiar with. Um, so we're going to jump into those. Uh, the first one is, what are you reading right now? <laughs> um, a couple things, but uh, I'm an audiobook person. I listen to them when I'm on the bike, actually. Not when I'm biking from capital to capital because I'm on roads, but when I'm on trails training, I listen to audiobooks all the time. Uh, one that I just finished up that I loved is called The Nine Lives of Rose Napolitano. And it meant a lot to me because it was all about this woman who did not want kids and she was getting, and I'm not giving anything away. She was getting married and her and her husband had talked about it. Neither one of them wanted kids, whatever. And then like two years into the marriage, he changed his mind. And at that point, this all, they have a fight. And then the book basically goes in nine different lives of ways that things that could have happened basically on how they reacted to that fight and it's just, it's fascinating. It's like, you know, what could have happened and so on. And it goes through every scenario you could ever think of about having or not having kids. And it mm. teaches you a lot. It teaches you a lot about relationships. Um, yeah. So I loved yeah. it. I thought it was Thanks. great. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, what is always in your suitcase or backpack when you're traveling? I'm going to say a water bottle, like, and, and not just a water bottle. I use um, clean canteen. And the reason why I love it is because I can never decide if I want to take a water bottle or a coffee, like an insulated coffee mug. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I don't want to take both because I don't have room. So what I like about the clean canteens is, um, you know, it's just the cylinder and then they have different lids. And mm -hmm. one is like a coffee lid and one has a straw and you can do more like cold drinks and so on. So that way I take one cylinder 
and then two different lids and I've got both. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have the exact same system. And when I saw oh, that, really? I was like, this is so brilliant. Um, I love <laughs> this solution. And the only thing that has I deviate is sometimes I have a grail so that I have the water filtering uh, water yep. bottle, mm -hmm. but then I realize I can, once I have my clean water, I can take that in there, but I also cannot have coffee or I like to put like electrolyte powder and that can't go in yep. there. So now I'm stuck. Then if I take the grail, I have to oh. have another water bottle. So this is my, my current <laughs> hydration dilemma. <laughs> um, yeah, it is a dilemma because yeah. yeah, I always love to take my own bottle, but I would I want everything, but you yes. can't take everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, to sojourn is to travel somewhere as if you live there for a short while. Uh, where is one place, if there is still some place that you would love to sojourn? That's a hard one. Um, yeah, I've done that in a lot of places, but I would say one place I, I'm always intrigued with is, and I always said I could spend more time in, is Turkey. Hmm. Um, ironically, Turkey was when I was 30 years old and got my passport, that was the first country I ever went to, which was a big life changer. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been back since a couple of times, but I just, the, the culture is so fascinating to me. The food is wonderful. Like I could just live in Istanbul or in a small town on the you know Southern coast and be happy just learning about that culture for a month easily. Uh, what is something you eat that immediately connects you to a place that you've been? <laughs> um, I'm going to say it's actually eat and drink because um, I love cocktails. I love mixology and I love cocktails. So I'm going to say shishito peppers, which are the, you know, if you have you been to Barcelona and mm -hmm. uh, in like northern Spain, so they have like you can order the tapas of the, the blistered shishito peppers. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I love about them is uh, they taste good. They're, they got this nice salt to them, but they, there's always like, it's like roulette with peppers because there's always one or two that are like really hot, like super hot. And I love that. Like, I like the, the risk of it, I think in a way. So whenever I have them here, I think about Catalonia, but also that goes along with that. Every time I have a, what I call a proper Spanish gin and tonic that takes me back to Costa Brava in Spain, without a doubt. Like it's, I never knew that Spain had such a gin and tonic culture or a gin culture, but they do. And it's pretty fascinating to me. Hmm. Um, who was a person that inspired or encouraged you to set out and explore the world? That's really hard. So I didn't have any travel mentors really in that sense. So as far as like traveling, I don't know what I would answer to that. However, as we talked about earlier, like I think my father was probably a huge influence on my desire to be different and to have different adventures in life and to go the other way. Um, and that was so strong in me that that's what drove me into travel in a way. Yeah. Um, since he's traveled a lot with me and we've done some really amazing things uh, when he was a little bit younger. But yeah, so in a way, I think it would be my dad, yeah. um, even though he wasn't like a big international traveler. Yeah. 
Um, if you could take an adventure with one person, fictional or real, alive or past, who would it be? I think I'm going to go back to, because I think I, this is the thing that's been on my mind a lot. Like, probably my parents still, they're alive, but like I've wanted to take them on a train journey across Canada. And it's just at this point, it's really hard because they're 87 and they just don't travel like they used to. And so I think it's been on my mind a lot because I wonder if I missed that opportunity and that makes me a little sad, but um, yeah, that's, that's what I've been thinking about lately at least. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, the last one, um, soul of travel is really a space for honoring women in the industry. Is there one woman you would like to recognize in this space? <laughs> you know, I know you asked this question and this one is the one thing that came to mind is um, there's a woman named Amelia Toxton who back in 2012, she was uh, working in marketing for um, a cruise company, a small expedition cruise company. And she basically was probably one of the first ever that like contacted me and said, hey, we've been following you on social media and we know you travel with your dad and that you wanted to take your dad to Antarctica. So let's see if we can send you to Antarctica. And I was just like, what? I mean, at that point, that was crazy to me. And, but she was very forward thinking in where this was all going with content creators and so on. And um, she doesn't work for that company any longer, but she does do her own consulting and she does marketing for travel companies, basically. That's her specialty. Um, so she's someone I think about because that was such a big turning point and kind of in that whole world of new media again, of like, oh, wait a minute, you can send bloggers, you know, whatever. We didn't call them influencers even at that time. You can send people on trips and they will cover it like that, you know, in social media and so on. So I would say, yeah, Amelia Toxton. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and thank you so much for being here. Um, I am so glad that we finally were able to connect the dots and me. Yeah. And ironically, we live very close to one another. I so know. perhaps it will be in person at one of these so. one of these days. Um, I, I have loved so much hearing about your journey and all of the the things behind, you know, what have gotten you out into the world and, and how you really think about travel. And I really appreciate you sharing that with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. I love to talk about this project. And the one thing I would say is it's also in my hope that as I continue on in this capital project, that I will get people to join me in it. So if any of your listeners are interested in biking a route with me or, um, even helping me with logistics. I always have a logistics person along. Um, it's a really fun time and we all travel together and it can be a super fun way to see the United States. Excellent. Thank you. Well, I'll make sure that I share um, your details in the show notes. So if people are interested, I think that would be such a great way for them to be able to uh, experience travel through your own eyes, support you on this journey and to really help to, to kind of push you through to the, the end of yeah. this project, which I know is really important to you. So yeah, um, thank you again for being here. And I, I look forward to connecting in, in the real world real soon. Yes. Yes. Let's hope so. Thank you so much for having me. 
Thank you for listening to Soul of Travel, presented by Journey Woman. I hope you enjoyed the journey. If you loved this conversation, I encourage you to subscribe and rate the podcast. Please share episodes that inspire you with others because this is how we extend the impact of this show. Learn more about each of my guests by reading our episode blogs, which are more than your average show notes. I think you'll love the connection. Find our episode blogs at www.souloftravelpodcast.com. I am so proud of the way these conversations are bringing together people from around the world. If this sounds like your community, welcome. I am so happy you are here. I am all about community and would love to connect. You can find me on Facebook at Soul of Travel Podcast or follow me on Instagram either at she.sojourns or at Soul of Travel Podcast. Stay up to date by joining the Soul of Travel Podcast mailing list. You'll also want to explore the Journey Woman community and its resources for women travelers over 50. I'd also like to share a quick thank you to my podcast producer and content magician, Carly Eduardo, CEO of Convergente. I look forward to getting to know you and hopefully hear your story. Thank you.